Welcome to the Playtest Podcast. I'm Dane Kavika, and in this episode, I'll be talking with Tom Jones and Alex Canaris about their great new independent studio, Polygon Treehouse, and how their game Roki is coming along. Please check them out at polygon-treehouse.com, and also rate and subscribe to this podcast. Thanks for listening. Well, thank you for coming on and doing this. You know, I'm uh, a big fan and, you know, love your guys' work. And I saw um, Roki and how uh, um, it you guys have pretty much just announced it. So it's extremely new. So it's uh, really exciting, uh, I would imagine, for you guys. Yeah, no, it's been a crazy few weeks, actually, a couple of months, really. Uh, as you say, it's all very new. And we were... Yeah, we obviously left Gorilla Cambridge and we're looking at what to do with our careers and our lives. And I think both of us felt like it was a really good time to actually do something different, um, get back to being more hands-on and, and perhaps take some of the skills we've learned over the years and, and use them to make something that was very personal to us. So that's where we're at now. We've obviously released the, the teaser trailer that we worked on to give people an idea of the game we're making. Um, and so, yes, it's, it, it's just been really good, actually, really gratifying that people are interested, like yourself, that we're hearing positive things about it. Uh, and so far, yeah, really exciting journey. Yeah, so we both, as we were as we were going along, we were coming up with like the you know, the idea of of what what this game was that we wanted to create. And as we were starting to see the 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 trailer emerge, because creating the trailer for us was also an exercise in in refining and defining our vision for what the what the game would be uh, and so we were getting more and more excited as we were creating the, the trailer and seeing different parts of it emerge and how it might look and how it might animate right. um, and then as we got closer to kind of finishing off we're like oh we wonder if anyone's going to care or anyone's going to be interested and so then to kind of have uh, such a large amount of coverage uh, from it's been uh, Obviously, that's all you'd always hope for, um, but you don't want to take anything for granted. So it's been really, yeah, it's been really amazing and really satisfying that there's been such a such a great response to the um, the trailer, uh, the game, and, and the studio so far. Well, that's great. You know, I mean, going independent, you said, uh, has made you uh, more like hands-on to be able to. Uh, it be more gratifying in the way and obviously uh, more personal to you guys um how how different does it feel from obviously coming from a huge company and going completely indie um you guys are pretty much doing absolutely everything when uh creating your own company and <laughs> i would imagine that's uh, quite a difference yeah well, yeah definitely I mean, gorilla cambridge was you know 70 80 strong team I mean, it went up to over 100 when we did kills a mercenary um that's a lot of talented people that you work with um because we were both quite senior i think the roles were very different in terms of helping to define the vision and direct the team and manage people um so it's, it's more about i guess getting people to share and, and feed it off what's in your head to make the finished product and, and using everyone's strengths to do that um the exciting thing with that is that actually you get a lot more people. You can uh, perhaps be grander in your ideas and push technology and, and new hardware and things, which is what we did when we were at Gorilla. Mm -hmm. uh, 
that's really cool. But yeah, obviously then when there's two of you, the scope is slightly different. But actually, I think that's one of the things we quite like is that it it forces us to consider what we're doing and make sure we make uh, choices that will help us in the long run and, and choices that will help us to make a game that is, is feasible for just the two of us. So like the art style and things like that yeah. very much because right. we're aware that we want to do something, you know, coming out next year or something we can achieve. Yeah, and also we don't want to, we don't want it to feel in some ways like a, you know, a small game around the world, this kind of ancient wilderness that uh, Tula is, is just travelling into as, through the course of the game. We want this to feel quite a big, expansive world with lots of character, lots of motion. Um, and so when we we're looking at kind of pinning down the art style um, and looking at ways in which we could present this really, you know, we can create this this kind of this big epic world with lots of variety and lots of movement um in quite a smart way, uh, but then not, you know, not compromising the visual quality of it. And in some ways I think the the fact that we've got this quite clean style, it's a little bit impressionistic, actually people find that quite attractive. And the response to the art style uh, specifically so far has been pretty pretty mega. People have seemed to you know fall in, in love with the world and the characters, which has been being quite uh quite cool right and that's uh brings me to my question about just uh point and click adventures to begin with is uh, i think they're just amazing platforms to display uh you know an artist's work because it's so raw in its own you know aspect so what made you guys want to go uh you know take the point and click adventure route well, I think, you, you know, you just said one of the reasons. I think it, it, it does complement uh, the art style and actually us both being artists. I think that was something we were obviously very keen to be able to, I guess, showcase our imagination and creativity. And I think, I think the ability of point-and-click games to uh, tell a story and an adventure was something that really appealed to us. Uh, but certainly, from Alex's point of view, they were a big part of his his childhood as well, wasn't it? Yeah, I used to play them a lot growing up with me and my um, me and my brother, and it was one of those things that, unfortunately, they seemed to kind of fall away a bit over 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 time. And uh, and then I think, then you know, more recently, probably the last probably like eight or maybe five, eight, ten years, maybe like they started to reemerge. Uh, I think probably with the. Uh, with the big uprising of, of indie titles in general, really, there's obviously something there that you know big studios didn't really want to make these games anymore. Um, but they definitely allow like a, I'm saying a, a great platform for for stories and for really inviting the player into a world. Uh, and I think that's something we've been, you know, really really wanting to do. And the uh, and the fact that as a genre it's so open, you could tell any any kind of type of story that you wanted to. Uh, in that in that that you know that type of game that's something we found really um really attractive and really really exciting well that's great what what kind of games did you um I, well i saw it actually your blog that you talk about um you know point and click adventures <laughs> and what you came from and what you played and um monkey yeah, island so, was one of them that monkey you island was that were really yeah that was the first one that really kind of knocked me over the head and that was uh amazing i couldn't quite believe it then also we played the um a lot the it did it in a different way i think uh the indian Jones and the last crusade uh oh, yeah. the kind of starts one there uh, and also the broken sword there were there was there was quite a few uh, we got through we and then i think 
we jumped around a bit and we went back and played like some of the earlier ones like Zach McCracken, which was really um really funny. But the the last Crusader one was fascinating because you got a copy of the of the Grail diary. Oh in, really? In, and it was obviously it didn't it wasn't like leather bound or anything, but they kind of got the kind of uh like printed it on the on the kind of colour the colour <laughs> there's just something about having the grail diary and like thumbing through it to find different clues to different parts of the game was just really like just bridging that gap between the the the, the player and the the game it was something as kids we just found massively exciting um it's the days before digital man yeah well all stuff there was the cool stuff with the monkey island they had the i think it's monkey island 2 they had the they had like this kind of copy protection wheel yeah so that's right yeah, turn around like the different ingredients. Even that, like if you can make like copy protection fun, <laughs> then you've actually, they're doing something right. So yeah, that they were all really, uh, they were all really uh, great. And I think it was something that I think the broken sword ones seemed seemed like they kind of stuck around a, a little long, but they were maybe a bit more um, a bit more serious in tone. And then recently, yeah, I suppose like Broken Age, and and now the kind of resurgence of point and click and games that are doing quite interesting things and maybe things that are a little bit different and even things that some people wouldn't necessarily deem as you know act, not actually pointing and clicking on things stuff like oxen free um which i found really exciting and kentucky well, kentucky yeah. was was kind of point and click um was like totally very different uh it's quite am ambiguous almost poetic kind of experience that just just you just experience and absorb um so I think it's really interesting now to see where where the the genre is going. And it's been awesome to be in a you know in a position uh, with Tom to be uh, putting our own spin on what it is. It's really really neat. I think it's got you know one of the things I actually did recently was replay Day of the Tentacle on my iPad. Um, oh yeah. You know, very expensive and, and actually I was able to play with my little boy. And what I really liked about it actually is a contrast to like console games which we both love as well but it's the ability to play it for like 20 minutes maybe get stuck and then i'd just be thinking about the puzzles in the background and then you go back and try something maybe it didn't work and think about it again and you're like oh, that's it i need to do that i remember and go back and, and that that it's something you're kind of constantly mulling over i really like the pace of that and i think that's something that, that point and click games do really well it, it, it's not all action all the time there's something about it which is potentially a bit more accessible for a wider audience as well um so yeah there's a lot of good things about it that, that we really like i think also for uh so my uh me and my fiance played through thimbleweed park and the uh and what she likes playing games like uh, computer games like together like with me but like, anything with any kind of camera control she just she just can't uh <laughs> Yeah, she just can't uh, hack it. But she did play point and click games going up, and there's something about uh, like being able to take your time and like really, uh, really absorb the the game and, and you know and progress at your own pace, which is which is quite cool. And there is something very satisfying about having that impact on the world, solving a puzzle and seeing the world change. And in some way, you know, most of the time in, in ways you don't maybe expect. There's something really magical there. And, and Tom's right. There's that moment where the penny drops and something mm. like, oh, what about this? Um, which is really great, yeah. But that, that's still uh, that kind of little rush is still cool after X number of years. So yeah, it's pretty neat. Yeah, and I think uh, with point and click games, the uh, story is delivered in a different way. It um, it's kind of a lot more controlled in the aspect of having, um, well, first of all, a two D you know scene and being able to uh, explain the story usually through text, and you know there's not too much going on and. 
when I was growing growing up, I got into adventure games, and I'm younger, and I'm kind of more of the you know uh, second GTA was around was coming out when you know <laughs> I was young. So to I had older cousins that showed me all these games, these adventure games, where well, here look at uh, Monkey Island or Day of the Tentacle or Full Throttle, and you know those were the type of games they'd show me, and I think like my because i didn't it wasn't like the brand new game it had probably had 10 15 years on it already um i saw it in a different way that it originally was uh, intended for so i think you know adventure games has this uniqueness that can pull you in not only just because of the uh, aesthetic but because i think uh when when they were coming out um, at that time, it was the top of the line um, video game, and it was everybody was seeing it um, for the first time. So when we get these adventure games today, um, you don't have that first time. It's more of well, that games can almost come come off as well. That's from the history books. That game that's an older game, you know. But in the way that uh, they would see a, a game like. Uh, Grand Theft Auto or and I think that's what's such an open palette for especially artists to get to the um the point and click games and adventure games is because now it's mainly about aesthetics and storytelling through art and uh the simplicity of unraveling a story through the uh um the 2D platform and so I just think that's what's so great with um having you two guys as um art you know art directors for this game to come in and be able to tell a story um mainly through your art and of course the characters you create so that brings me that brings me to the um the question of tell me about roki like what exactly can we expect from uh, from the game and the character the main protagonist well essentially it's uh yeah a story about uh young hero uh, going into this ancient and strange wilderness and basically going deeper and deeper into this almost dark and magical uh, magical realm um and we want to create a world that feels maybe a little odd and strange but it's quite an inviting and a, a, a kind of land that's lots of depth that really draws uh, the player back to it it feels quite yeah you know quite unique and and different from from uh, other sayings um yeah i think the the story about her why why is she venturing further and further into this world there's obviously the uh roki is the name of the 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 dark monster that you see at the end of the trailer with the glowing eyes right right and um and so there's uh, he's kind of they almost fakes it intertwined in certain ways. So as you know, we don't give too much away about the story, but there's a, a certain connection there that we'll be exploring as, we, as, we, as we're going through. But as well as presenting a world that feels really epic with loads of great vistas and, and amazing scenery, we want to really make sure that there's a strong emotional core to the story so that it's not just about daring do and going climbing mountains and going down rivers, uh, but actually there's, uh, you know, you're... As, as well as exploring the world and you know, this odd, inviting world, you're also digging more and more into the characters and peeling back layers uh, and finding out more about uh, you know Tove and the inhabitants, inhabitants of this world as we go. So those are the kind of the two 
the two fronts that we're pushing forward with. Um, yeah. Yeah, I guess if I was, was going to summarise it, I would say it's a game about monsters, magic, and facing your fears. Okay. Well, that's, it's a pretty broad uh, story you can tell through that. Fox. There you go. We've already had some other <laughs> well that's really cool could you could you tell me more about the um protagonist like you know her story and what how she kind of got sucked into this uh, kind of quest uh she, she's a young girl she lives um in a you know on the outskirts of a normal town it's it's modern day as well it's not like it's set in the past um and yeah something uh, her family has history and then something bad happens and you know, as you can, I guess, imagine as the protagonist, a lot of uh, what needs to be done to help save the day falls on her shoulders. So she's the character you play as in the game um, and progress through and, yeah, have to overcome the obstacles in her way. Uh, and I, as Alex said, uh, Roki plays a large part in that. Uh, yeah, I guess I'm talking any more would probably give too <laughs> right. much away but um yeah i think we were keen that that as it's not just a, a kind of linear experience with her from kind of a to to b to c to d that you actually get to learn about her her past and and what's made her the way she is so that's kind of the journey that you'll go on and that's one of the really nice things about uh doing the the point and click uh, game was adventure game is that actually we don't have to deliver all that stuff as like here's a cutscene here's a cutscene here's a cutscene yeah. right. we as, as you're getting further and further into the wilderness and exploring different parts of it we're also able to kind of show more of a character gradually as we go so i think that's um yeah that's cool and also like the you know today herself in the design of her, we have some of the really early sketches and paintings that the one that Tom did, it was almost, she was almost like a, a Red Riding Hood uh, figure. And obviously we've evolved that. And in the current current designs, she's quite uh, quite contemporary, but there was quite a lot of evolution there. And like what kind of clothes should be wearing? We actually, the red thing we kind of wanted to stick with because it really picked her out in the, in the game world. Um, and then, yeah, she also evolved in other ways like the, um, uh, the kind of, also the the we want her face to be able to carry lots of expression and emotion. So mm-hmm. I don't know if you see the stuff on the on the Twitter feed where we've been posting some of the early facial animation tests. So we, you know, we're trying to dig into the emotions of the character and and what's going on in her life as well as exploring this world. So we need to make sure that the the character, from a technical point of view and from an art point of view, can convey that emotion, um, so that we can really get that across to the player. So. Yeah, we've been kind of evolving everything, everything at once. The you know the we've got a high level overview for the main plot points we want to hit, and now we're going in like and designing the game around those and evolving the characters to to suit that as well. Okay. I think it's interesting. It's one of the it's challenging, but it's one of the the fun bits at the moment as well. Isn't it? I don't think it's kind of chicken and eggs. You need the story to help inform the design because you need to know where the characters are going and and the journey they need to go on but equally you need the design to kind of help inform the story because you don't want all your gameplay to just be dependent on you know that to be restricted i guess by a very um uh, linear story so that's kind of what we're looking at at the moment so we keep 
you know, thinking of puzzles and then that gives us ideas for the story to go back into and then I guess flesh out the, that overview that Alex mentioned. Uh, so it's really exciting. I think we're, you know, we're not far off having that um, all done, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. So we can properly crack into actually, yeah, making the whole game. Right. Yeah. Sounds right. Everything does evolve in quite an organic way. I think it would be really hard to go, okay, we're going to do that and lock it down. That's done. So there's quite a lot of cross pollination in, in in the different you know the different aspects of making the game. Um, that's one of the reasons why we want to do the announce trailer so early um, is that as well as the kind of a creative exercise for us and you know seeing you know trying to gauge some people are interested in which so far it seems they very much are which is great. That allows us to go, okay, this is us. And then as we are taking our time developing the game, making sure that it's what we want it to be, we can openly share stuff as we're going. So on our, our Twitter feed, on our website and blog posts, we're able to post concept art as we're, as we're going, engaging people's feedback. And that, when we talked earlier about the, the differences between working at a large studio and being in your developers, being able to share things openly as we're going is quite quite neat for us. We're using, used to being... A little bit secretive about things um and so to actually to be able to as we're working on stuff now we're out in the open like you know sharing concept art animation tests bits of stories and even like by the blog post just our experiences of developing the games things that have inspired us mm. movies we've liked or you know books we've read um games we've played uh, to be able to kind of share that stuff and give people an insight into the development of the and the games, it's, it's yeah, it's really rewarding to be able to do that side of it. Actually, massively helpful for us um, as well. Do you feel like, um, yeah. since you have uh, full creative control over this game, that it's uh, quite different from your original roles at um, Gorilla and how um, you're able to pretty much show off, like you were saying, how you're able to show off um, a lot earlier um, what you're working on and everything. Do you feel like the community influences your further work on the game? Um, I think, I guess at the moment, because it's still quite, I guess it, it's reinforced what we've done. Right. I think it'd be fair to say, because yeah. it's, it, you know, it's kind of received a thumbs up. Um, but I hope as we go further that actually, um, and particularly when we start, asking people to help play test and things right. uh, that that will actually yeah really inform us in the things that that work and the things that don't and um, that's something we're, we're very keen on uh you know whether it's ex-colleagues or, or people we've kind of met along the way uh i think that's really important yeah i think we've already found that the um well i think we both like really got a lot of our time working at, at semi and gorilla and we're all really grateful for that all the you know, the awesome people we've worked with and everything we've learned. And we're finding, you know, that actually everyone's been very supportive of uh, of our, our new venture. And we're also finding that the, the various indie meetups and stuff we've gone to, that actually there's a, a massive amount of generosity there within that community online, also like in in, in person. Um, and so that feels like a really exciting thing. Everyone's very supportive, giving us hints and tips, because um, it is a very different arena for us. And there's uh, lots of things we've got to learn and you no know, challenges we'll face along the way, um, but there's been a yeah really um, a really great response for people who've been very generous with their help along the way and advice. Um, when we were thinking about what we we're going to do, whether we wanted to take established studio roles or you know start our own company, we spent a bit of time going around talking to various uh, indie people that we knew, and that was a really um, enlightening and 
very very valuable experience for us so that was um yeah really cool sure absolutely just just loads of goodwill i think on the indie front it's almost like if you kind of made the plunge to go and do it people mm-hmm. i guess recognize what that means and, and want to be supportive <laughs> which is nice um yeah and actually just all the people we've met even in the in the last couple of months have been really good um and unlike i think you, you touched on earlier as well that the kind of indie space and point and click it does allow you to be more adventurous with what you're doing and more experimental and that's true of all you know all indie games that's been really cool actually seeing what other people are doing um and perhaps that's why people are so open about things because you don't often have like direct competitors because people are just doing very different stuff mm. um that is you know just them kind of pouring their creativity out into a game there's something kind of very raw and satisfying about that um which actually you know, perhaps don't get when you have something uh, that's been polished by you know uh, a massive studio it's, it's hard to get that kind of pure vision through it obviously has other big strengths to it but i think the, the intimacy of a smaller game is something you can't really replace right and with uh talking about like um having uh games that are you know so uh, such a wide variety of games that um widen such genres uh do you feel like how um like the original creators of point and click games how they've come back and they're now doing what they used to um does does that change the way you look at um your game or think like does it create a type of like manual for you that you guys you know um try to stay by or is this completely open and you're throwing whatever uh creatively um you want at it and um you don't really use those as like borders those other games I think I guess you use. There are other games that have been successful you've played and liked. I think it's, it's important to analyse why that is. Um, you know whether it's just good puzzle design or uh, a satisfying gameplay time or you know the visuals or anything. So I think we are very informed by all that stuff. But equally, I think a lot is is coming from our experience in the industry as well, and, and making sure uh, we produce something that's considered and you know from a design point of view that yeah we don't just create a hundred different mechanics that you only use once and and that gets out of control i think you have to you know you need your your pillars you you kind of i think you can let your creativity run wild but then you actually need to hold it up and go does this fit the game we want to make and be and i think it's important to scrutinize that stuff and as good as an idea can be if actually it takes the game in a direction that doesn't fit tonally or it's you know, something that doesn't really fit how your control scheme is going to work. And I think you just have to go, well, that's fine. That's something for the future par maybe, but it's not not for this game. And I think that, that's something I think working at, at Sony and Gorilla has, has helped us with, uh, just being able to make those calls and recognize that it's something that's probably just going to create a lot of work maybe uh, for not much return. Right. So how do you guys uh, kind of limit yourself in your roles? Like, for instance, you're both art, um, art, pretty much art directors. Um, so you're touching upon also coding and, um, well, I guess, I mean, I guess not so much uh, music. You could probably, are you guys pretty much going to take certain roles like uh, music and sound effects and have uh, bring other people in to uh, work in those roles? Or how does that exactly work between the two of you? I think, uh, yeah, we are, you know, hands-on creating the artwork ourselves. Actually, at the start of our careers, uh, when we were, we actually were both at university and then recruited into 
straight from uni uh, into into Sony. And at the start of our careers, which is around PS2 era, actually, Tom was uh, an environment artist and I was uh, an animator and character artist. So actually, they, the kind of first part of our careers at Sony, we've kind of returned to in a certain ways. So actually, in, when we were doing the, the trailer and that side of things, Tom concentrated on the on the, the backgrounds and the environments, and I was on uh, character arts and animation. So actually, the, that's for the trailer and the, the genesis of the title. That's how that stuff's worked. For the, uh, for the design stuff, we get together and and, and throw our, our ideas around. Right. Um, from the uh, the the code. Uh, standpoints so we're writing a few shaders and stuff um which which we're doing ourselves um but we're using something called a bench creator which uh sits on top of unity which actually allows us to script everything in quite a visual node based and takes care of a lot of the of the technical work for us so early days we did a few tests to see like whether it would allow us to create what we wanted to create and it looks uh, very promising um, so that's kind of something that really has enabled us as, as, mm. as two art directors to really crack on and make this game. And I think one of the things that's been really awesome after the trailer, we've had a, a load of interest from um, composers and sound designers, uh, which is something that's quite exciting. And we're, we're still um, quite early days. So we're not quite ready for some of that stuff just yet. But actually, that was that was there was some really exciting people yeah, yeah. that got in contact with us. I think later down the line. We will look at getting composers and sound people involved because my my musical skills aren't that good. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it would be a stretch <laughs> for uh, yeah, for us just singing in the background. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. It was recognised. We need to get some experts in. Yeah, so I think there, I think there will be some areas um, where we will need to uh, expand a little bit and uh, and get in help, but. But so far, so good. But, and also that split of like you know the the environment and the character animation side. That's um, that that went. That was really uh, worked out like a really good split for the um, for the trailer stuff. So that was kind of cool. All right. mm. well, well, that's pretty cool. Uh, how far along do you think you guys are on the game right now? And when do you think uh, people can expect to see uh, more footage and, um, and more information about the game? So, I mean, like Alex said, I think before the trailer, we actually made like the first uh, 15, 20 minutes worth of gameplay from the game to, to prove it out to ourselves. Um, as it's an issue of these things, I'll probably return to that and probably uh, improve it. Mm -hmm. But looking at the overall design story for the whole thing at the moment, and then, yeah, we'll crack on with that in the next few months. So I'd say maybe towards, you know, August, September time, I'd hope we'd have something again, that we can maybe start showing from the actual game itself uh, that people haven't seen before. And then we're looking to release next year. So that's kind oh, of wow. guide okay. decisions at the moment. So, so uh, just kind of let the, you know, the development process take its time and then, uh, you know, everything will lay in in the long run. And, you know, you guys aren't rushing yourselves or anything like that, but... No, no, I think I think we well we want to make sure that we commit creative, uh, creatively to certain things. That was like part of the thing of the announce trailer for us to be able to go. Actually, we'll use this an exercise to, you know, commit to an art style, commit to this. I'm sure that's that stuff will will evolve and uh, and stuff will evolve as we go. But actually, it's quite nice. There's so many when making games. There's so many possibilities, and we're both quite uh, I'd hope to think quite creative, and imaginative people. That sometimes the you know you uh, there's so many ideas going round. But actually, to be able to put pins in certain things and go right, 
this is this, this is this, this is this. It's too late, we tweeted it, we can't change that. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <Stop it. laughs> uh, so actually it allows us to progress in different ways. So with the, the exercise of defining the kind of the tone and some of the, the kind of the story and visual elements with the trailer, now we're shifting our focus to look at the you know the design and some of the plot on how the plot is conveyed through the design and the puzzles. Uh, so actually now we've kind of shifted focus. Now we've kind of ticked a few things off our list. Now we're shifting our focus on this stuff. And yeah, we'll we'll push it on when when it's um, when it feels good. Uh, yeah. Good. Well, you know, I have a question about um, just game mechanics and. I am a big fan of the uh, point and click, and of course, I'm, I'm kind of backtracking. But um, in That's your game, good. okay, in, in your game, are you guys gonna have um, like an inventory and a, um, a multiple interactive like buttons, like you know, pick up, talk to that that sort of stuff? Yeah, that stuff's well, that stuff's in, in our in our testing. That stuff's all that stuff's all there. Like I said, we'll be we'll be evolving uh, as we're going. If if you know if we feel the um, uh, the need to, but yeah, there's there's definitely the, the strong jumping off point from the kind of traditional uh, from the traditional kind of point and click um, setup. In fact, one thing I was going to say earlier. Do you want to talk about this? No, I'm excited. You got excited then. <laughs> I was going to say earlier when we were talking about. Um, <laughs> the kind of you know are we using point and click games as a template and seeing like some of the you know the the creators from the originals coming back and doing stuff now it was really exciting for me to see uh thimbleweed park and to play it i absolutely loved it and oh, to yeah. see how that had been refined um to play now it was really interesting with all the lists when you're checking things off um and, and actually just some of the ways that really you know visually they made it very clear it felt like a very uh, a very clear there wasn't any frustration there it felt like a really well well crafted game for people to play play now and that's the thing but some like games when i was growing up um you didn't have that many games because you were a kid and yeah. you didn't have very much money <laughs> and so if you were frustrated by a game you just stick with it whereas now obviously like the tolerance so many games and the... yeah there's so many games so much choice that if people if, if people get frustrated then they may, they may just put a game down and never return to it so i think thimbleweed park was really awesome to look at as something that felt really balanced uh, difficulty wise and felt really friendly to play um and also as when we were you know looking at stuff i've spent a lot of time listening to their podcast which was awesome had some real good nuggets of of information of how they approach things, uh, which was very generous of them, and uh, certainly that was a great, a great insight to us. So that was that was I'd remember that from earlier and wanted to mention it. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like uh, Ron Gilbert really goes against the whole um, help system, and I feel like uh, a lot of um, point and click games have been able to kind of. Um, get around that in different ways like i feel like mechanarium did it so well with they had like a mini game that you had to actually play in order to unlock the hint of trying to solve the the puzzle and i just felt like that was so brilliant because there's some games you just press h and you can keep pressing it and i felt until it actually tells you the puzzle and explains to you and then you're staring at the h button every time you're getting into trouble but you know, so I think that's what's that's so... no fun as well, is it? That's no fun. It's like really that it's one of those things where it just I think it just needs to be uh, balanced properly in the difficulty gauged because uh, I would designed yeah to be because the if yeah if you're just like help 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 
or hint, 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 it's kind of just, you're kind of like wrecking the game for yourself. Well, I think one of the yeah. really important things though, is that, that the puzzles, they almost need to be kind of obvious when you realize, like, so that they're not, there's a satisfaction in completing them. I think the worst thing is when, you know, you find out the answer and it's just like, oh, well, I've never thought of that. Well, it's just, <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, of course it's that. Or, yeah, oh, yeah, that, or perhaps this, I do this, this, and this, and that makes sense. You know, like the stuff in Day of the Tentacle is really good for that. Um, some were more obscure than others, but they all made sense. You could you could trace the line of thought. There was nothing just completely random in there for the, the sake of making it hard. Right. Um, the, the difficulties just actually chaining those things together as well so the thing you need to get at the end actually you need to do a series of little puzzles to get through to that um, but it means that that anything is the culmination of all this effort and it makes that really satisfying as well um, yeah and so i I, I felt oh sorry um yeah and i felt that way with like thimbleweed park while i i still love the game i feel like there were certain parts of the game that either they were like very easy puzzles and they were just right in front of your face, and it didn't really take much thinking at all. At all. Or there was uh, certain puzzles that it's like, I would have never have thought of that. And I don't know how, like, I had to actually look up some of the puzzles because I was just so, like, uh, and this is coming from someone that's, you know, played yeah. uh, a lot of the adventure games. So I feel like even though Ron Gilbert, in which I do praise him, um, I feel like that a lot of balancing has to go on with uh, figuring out, um, you know, certain puzzles and especially how you explain them. Because they could be right in front of you, like in Monkey Island 2, you needed um, a type of wrench to, like, turn off water or something like that. And <laughs> and you you just had you had a monkey in your inventory and that was the monkey wrench and it's like well duh it's, it's stupid as hell but it's like i feel like that's like it's just that's what's great about point and click games so i feel like there's a lot of balances that you could take or you know, rather than doing like a hint system or if you do a hint system have like a, a small mini game because i feel you know, once you figure out those um, puzzles or if you end up looking it up, it takes away the whole entire, um, the idea of like, well, God, I finally accomplished that. So I think that's what's so great about, um, again, point and click games because you can go so many different routes at that point. No, I think one of the things I like that actually is when they're kind of reactive to the things you're trying, because a lot of it is about experimentation as well, but if you can recognize what the player is trying to do and then, you know, give a little bit of help at that point they'll go oh that would work if i had something else or you know it's it doesn't need to be as explicit as like here is the puzzle and here's the answer it can just be actually acknowledging that you're on the right path but you don't quite have all the pieces you need uh so it encourages you to to go further with that i think that's a quite a good way of actually helping the player to feel like they're accomplishing something they just need to figure out that last bit yeah Right, and I think the protagonist helps out in such in such an enormous way with just uh, text and dialogue, and yeah, exactly. you know how they talk about those type of puzzles. So yeah, no, I, I'm really excited for you guys' game to see how you tackle this, and you know I know you guys are extremely early, and I I loved what I saw of the um, reveal trailer, and it just makes me have so many questions and I, i'd like to know the whole entire story but <laughs> i'm not gonna punch <laughs> that out of you um but if uh 
I always ask this, and uh, because I know a lot of people out there that want to get into the game industry or just make video games for a living, um, have such a hard time trying to figure out, you know, how to get into it or where to start. And I just wanted to ask you guys um, today: um, where do you think uh, is the great place to start to get into the game industry? I think for me. Um... The first thing you've got to do is to work out what role you want to take. Um, I think there's there's so much possibility out there that I think knowing what it is that you want to do and what you want to focus on is a really good idea. If you try to go, that's one of it. So on the art side, for example, if you want to say, I want to be a games artist, well, there's so many different flavors of games artists out there. Obviously, for the more uh, the big studio stuff, the role is very specialized. So um, you have to... First of all, try and establish what it is that you want to do. Do you want to be an animator? Do you want to be a characterized? Do you want to be environmentalized? And then allow yourself time to produce really, you know, a focused portfolio that's a body of your your best work. I think it's very hard to go. I'm just going to do everything. Yeah, you know, just to be really, it'd be really a big tax to be to be super amazing at everything. So I think for, first of all, trying to work out what it is that you want to do. And also, if, you, if you're creating a body of work, making sure that it's um, quality over a quantity. You know, if you've got a couple of pieces that are really like knockout amazing, they're going to knock people's socks off, then that's great. Versus ten times as many, which are kind of like pretty good. So it's um, you know, I think getting that balance right um, when you know, and from the art side certainly is is. Is really important um but yeah definitely working out what exactly it is you want to do and focus on stuff is essential really yeah I, I'd, I'd agree with that one i think it's it's difficult in in some ways because the, the benchmark now in games is in you know big blockbuster games is is so high um you know like you look at the quality of art in, in horizon that's just come out from gorilla and you know we know from first-hand experience how long assets and and uh, characters and, and vehicles and stuff take to make in a game like that. Um, so, which is, I guess the strength is that there's something that you can compare yourself to. That's what you want to do. Um, but we were talking yesterday, actually, I think one of the things I mentioned that I think helps offset some of that difficulties is how available software is now, how available game engines are, how actually just open developers are with um how they do things and the techniques they use. And, you know, there'll be artists who'll put their work on ArtStation and you can chat to them. And, like, that kind of thing just didn't really exist when we were at uni. Like, it was, it was not, there was not that level of interface that you could have. Um, so I think, like Alex says, if you've got an idea of a game you like or would like to work on or an art style you'd like to do, um, or, you know, a designer that you admire because of the game they've worked on, you could kind of reach out to those people um, or look at, actually trying to create something in the style of that game as well uh, by using the, the software and the, the engines that are out there. Because actually, like us, you know, we're able to make our own game because we can use Unity and we can get Photoshop and, the, and, and Maya for, you know, reasonable monthly fees and stuff. Um, so there's no reason why, you know, kids still at school can't do that mm. um, and just be doing things in their own time. And I think actually that's probably a really good way to start figuring out 
what you want to do is go, actually, I'm just going to make a little game. And you'll instantly go, actually, I don't really like animation or I don't really like characters, but I do love the puzzles and I love the design. And then you can have something that you can take and show uh, to someone, even if it's all cubes, you can show that you're good at designing puzzles. Um, I think that's a really good starting point. I think from the from the indie side of things as well, like if that's something that people wanted to get into, there tends to be lots of like meetups around and let's say everyone's been very generous with their time with us or like game jams, all that kind of stuff. None of that stuff was there. I'm starting to sound like a really old man. But the, uh, Alex is 65 years old. But I would have loved like, the idea of like getting to a games jam and uh, taking part with other people I may not have met before and just creating something and like figuring out and making friends that way and people you might want to work with in the future. That stuff is just uh, really, really exciting. Um, yeah, so I think there's all those... Basically, put yourself out yeah, there. Don't work in isolation. Yeah, don't work in isolation. Don't just beaver away in your, on, your, on your own. Get out there and meet other people. You will learn a massive amount from other people. We learned a lot from going to university. And there was like a group of 50, 50 people in our year. Everyone would bounce ideas around, learn techniques off each other. Then when we started work at Sony, because uh, obviously you've then got in a pool with a lot more experienced people. You're kind of development as an artist just suddenly shoots to the roof. So being able to like go and mix with the people, find out their techniques, their knowledge, you know, obviously you can share your techniques and knowledge with them as well. I think that is uh, is really powerful. And also always use reference. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stay safe. That's just uh, another good one to like throw in there. Obviously if you're kind of like um it's really good to look have like reference materials around for stuff. If you're just trying to imagine something and create something, sometimes uh yeah, you can't quite pull it off. The, using reference stuff for, for in a whole load of ways is is uh, is really cool and uh, and definitely gives everything a, a, a good strong foundation. So that's another, another good one. No, you're right, isn't it? It's something we've got taught at uni. It's like if you if you want to animate something or you're animating a character, do what that character is supposed to be doing. Feel it for yourself. Or right. you know, if you want to be a character artist, go to life drawing classes, study anatomy. You study it really properly. Do some of the really fundamental basics. Uh, you know, if you want to do environment art, start taking photos of everything you see. Go and go to places and look at them and really get a sense of what they are in real life. Um, and give yourself that grounding for the area you're interested in because that depth actually will help make you better. And also, <laughs> man, we've got loads of stuff. Yeah. It's probably like, lastly, there's no there's no shortcuts you know you've got to put the work in as well um i'm sure there are some like super talented people who like things just fall on, the, on a plate for all the everything just aligns but um i know from my experience though yeah it's gonna enjoy it and and get stuck in and, and and put the hard work in as well and uh yeah and you'll soon start to see results all right well great thank you for that answer i mean i think so many people out there uh you know trying to figure that out for themselves and um you know i've i've seen to where a lot of people say oh just try for the studio and you know get obviously the education down do you think your goal to work at a studio is um better than just thinking all right create your own uh your own game and uh, do it all independently or what do you think is probably the best route or does it depend on the person i'd say it depends on the person I think if, if you're playing games or you're playing like gta you're playing uncharted and you're like i want to make nathan drake 
if that's your actually you're very lucky because you know what you want to do so you might as well compare yourself to that and and go down that path you just like games or you you think you have a an idea for a game you want to make i think that's the power of being able to to yeah crack on and do something yourself in terms of like an indie game um obviously i think putting all your eggs in one basket and just applying for one studio is is risky to a degree but i think the focus on that comes from it even if uh you know it doesn't end up getting you a job there actually comparing yourself to that quality and pushing yourself is just going to make you better regardless and those skills will be transferable to somewhere else mm-hmm. you know I think the, not the worst show rules but you know we've had people when they just don't necessarily know what they want to do so you try and do you know here's an okay environment here's an okay character and then it's like well yeah nothing is the quality you need it to be even though the you know best person in the world and the most likable person it's it's hard you need to prove you can kind of reach that that standard in a certain area then yeah i think there's like now there's so, so you know with the learning stuff there's so many resources available online as well as obviously like going to universities and stuff so there's uh and so much stuff out there i think it can be easy to to get swamped with all the different possibilities of what, what it is you want to want to create so yeah I mean, we said it earlier, but kind of knowing what it is you want to focus on is is really good. And, you know, there's a certain studio you do want to work at, being able to like look at their work and go like put your work next to their work and go, is it is it good enough? And yeah, giving yourself a really being quite tough on yourself and giving yourself a real um, you know a real a real a real benchmark to push for and getting getting feedback on your work as well, like getting to meetups or getting feedback try and find the people who will give you honest uh critical feedback on your work um and i guess trying to understand what people do in that studio you know we had people apply before who you know they've made some nice assets and stuff mm-hmm. but people don't necessarily do that within the big studios there are a lot of companies now that you know are in other parts of the world that will create assets for games like horizon or games like uncharted and, and the core people within the studio and that's the core cool job as well but the core people within the studios are actually more involved in putting that stuff together and, and coming up with the design or the creative vision so it's, it's about starting something more than just the ability to you know making making a kick-ass sword or you know a really right. good crate i think it's, it's actually acknowledging that perhaps you need to to show more than that so whether it's a scene with those things in and actually you put it together and you've done some like really nice lighting and stuff have to have a character or an animation or anything just fly the character camera through um but you can make something that that sells a story or um you know puts yourself out there a bit more and shows why you perhaps are uh are someone to be looked at all right well well thank you for answering that <laughs> yeah there's a lot of information there for people to use because i feel like a lot of it's not out there and people have to look for it so you know it's great to get um you know personal insights of, of especially their experiences so thank you no worries but, all right well um thank you guys where where can we uh you know where can we find your guys's information and what can we expect to see you know coming soon well there's uh so our twitter handle is at poly treehouse uh, and we regularly post our updates on there uh, movies blog posts and stuff we've also got our website which is www.polygon-treehouse.com uh i got it right uh, <laughs> yeah. um 
Yeah, and, just Google us actually as well. Yeah, yeah the first yeah. page basically filled with us. Awesome. But yeah, so we're on like Twitter and, and uh, we have the website. And we're on Facebook as well, and we're yeah we're going to be quite regularly sharing stuff as we go. So uh, yeah, give us a follow and. Uh, yeah, you'll be able to get a good idea of, of how the game's going and how the game's progressing. All right, great. Well, thank you, guys. Thank you for being on the podcast. That was really neat. Thanks, Thanks for having us. All right, I appreciate it. All right, well, you guys have a great weekend, all right? All right. You too. Thank yeah. you very much. Thank you. All right, cool. later. Take care. Bye.